Welcome back everyone and welcome to Lay Film. Um, this is Richard and today we are presenting a review of Take Shelter directed by Jeff Nichols. And Take Shelter is about a man that starts to have uh, disturbing visions and nightmares of an impending apocalypse so he starts to build a storm shelter in his backyard. So here today we have Patrick Tyler, Kevin, and this week's episode, Tyler decided to have us watch Take Shelter, and um, it's like a, a thriller, drama, horror film, and yeah, it's really unlike anything we've seen uh, in our previous films. The uh, big thing for me was the main actor. I have only, I don't know his name. I Michael don't know Shannon. the Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon. Mm -hmm. And then who's the female lead? Jessica Chastain. Chastain. Okay, I only know them from cultural osmosis of there's Jurassic World Lady and there's Zod. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't seen those movies. I think Jurassic, Jurassic World Lady is Bryce Dallas Howard. Is that not Jurassic World Lady? <laughs> no, definitely not. Ginger Lady. <laughs> Wait, the new <laughs> they're, Jurassic World's the new one with Chris Pratt, right? Yeah. No, yeah, it's not. Yeah, that's not Jurassic World Lady? No, it's not. <laughs> Who's that red-haired lady then? <laughs> it's Bryce Dallas Howard. <laughs> oh. She's like way younger. They look identical. <laughs> this is like 2011. Jurassic World's what, 2015? 16? Yeah, so it's like... Jessica Chastain was in Zero Dark Thirty, I think. Yeah, yes. Oh, she, she, she's, from she from has, she's from Sacramento. She is? Yeah, she is. is she? Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Represent? She was really good. Yeah, I liked her. I got to marry her. She's like third best ginger. <laughs> I was going to say, she's yeah. doing good representation for my people. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you don't know your red haired actress? <laughs> she's, she's like fourth now. <laughs> yeah, Patrick, they don't all look alike. She's not Tilda Swinton, and she's not Victoria Page, but she's pretty cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I love, especially the lead actor, he was the best of the two, but he was, she was also really good. Especially mm -hmm. towards the end, and uh, that was the big thing for me was the performances of those two. Especially when I only have them in the context of Hollywood. The guy yelling about Superman and what I thought was the lady—I thought I was picturing her running around Jurassic Park for some reason. <laughs> and that's pretty much the environment she's a part of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, she was a part of the team killing Osama. So <laughs> So she's like a bit more nationalist than Jurassic Park probably is. Well, yeah. <laughs> that was the big takeaway. I was like, these guys are great. I love them. No, they definitely both had unrestrained, or no, not unrestrained, restrained performances, I feel. And there were times where it was kind of building up to be a sort of melodrama because of just the schizophrenic uh, content that it dealt with. And with the family dynamics trying to uh, navigate between that and trying to maintain somewhat of a normal life while providing for their daughter. Um, I don't know, I just, I, I felt like there was a genuine bond between that entire family. Mm -hmm. And 
it was really strange because I haven't seen that in such a long time. The especially with the unconditional love that uh, Samantha's character had for Curtis, especially during some of the the later moments. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. What What do you think, Tyler? I was I was just gonna say yeah. I think I was surprised that I, I kind of thought like obviously the film's about like you know mental illness and. Pan- paranoia and panic but I thought it was marriage had a lot to do with it too like that was one thing that stuck with me I was like just thinking I was like wow this is like if if you know like I'm getting married I'm like I would hope to have like a strong like a strong of a bond like that mm-hmm. you know I, was gonna say, I think with the beats like the melodrama beats you can see them coming a mile away but it still does enough where it it, it doesn't subvert it completely but it does enough to really like, oh okay that wasn't this beat of the story didn't upset me, and it's, I think the characters are so genuine, the relationship's so genuine. Mm-hmm. Like, with the marriage thing, I think the f- Curtis's, when her family's over, there's like a real, there's a weird, subtle, just awkward tension. Yeah. About him not going to church, and him being late, and it's just, yeah. I think mm-hmm. there's two lines about it. It's just, the dad goes, why weren't you at church? And the wife goes like, Come on, don't talk, don't be like that. He's like, you can tell me not to be like that. And he just, Kirsch just does a nice thing and changes the topic, I think. Yeah, he's like, how was the service? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I like that the film doesn't, like, turn into, like, this madman's, like, odyssey. Like, oh, how much crazier is he going to get throughout the film? And what yeah. are, the, are the, all the crazy things he's going to do? It's just, like, uh, about a good man who is, like, really um, burdened by like these visions and like by the weight of like having to um take care of his family and balancing like his his work life and um and his social life as well um it's i like that it's a different role from michael shannon because uh i don't know if he's typecasted but i don't know he seems like the like the villainous type i guess to me sometimes and he does have like those like crazy eyes i think (laughs) where you're like you're waiting for him to become like mad and like go crazy (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I just I just imagine um the shape of water. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> that villain, like mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and in that film he played a very conventional villain. I mean he was pretty menacing, but like mm-hmm. um it was I felt like it was very one dimensional, whereas I mean obviously in this film, um we get um a lot of depth into his uh character as Curtis and um yeah, I like that like you said, um they uh the performances felt pretty restrained. Um, you can just tell, and like in his mannerisms, like he, he's going through a lot, and I'm glad that the film didn't make him turn out to be like this, I don't know, vicious person, I guess. Without you know, that's yeah, that's spoilers. what I was uh, yeah fearing. Mm-hmm. I I think that it's more delicate about what you said, Tyler, about uh, mental illness, and um, I think even about um, it has like an environmentalist themes and um. Even, like, probably um, themes about, uh, I don't know, trauma, you know? Mm-hmm. Probably, like, I think the the war in Iraq was still pretty relevant back in 2011. So I really felt like that had some parts, like, I had some relevancy to it. So, yeah, do we have any more... And first impressions before we get into our spoilers. No. Uh, well, well, 
we should also do like should we recommend this film and like you know is it a film worth uh watching again is it uh should it just be a first time view what do you guys think i feel like we should add in a little something to our mm -hmm. review i'd highly recommend ratings yeah i would definitely recommend it mm -hmm. i was pretty much like drawn in immediately mm -hmm. i definitely want to watch it again too it's not like it's not our house it's not pushing the envelope yeah but it's, it still has its own merits does really well with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that the reason why I like this movie so much is because I didn't necessarily have to think that much into into things as they were being given to me. Because um, usually with, with a lot of more cerebral movies, I have to kind of keep up with it a bit. And I'm trying to like figure out which way it's going. Or sometimes I even pause the movie a lot because I get like distracted with other things. But with yeah. this one, I I was just so I was really immersed in the story. Yeah. Um, just because it felt so so honest with the content that was being shown, and I found myself deeply caring for these people because you can clearly tell that although Curtis was dealing with this ongoing illness he was trying his very best to keep things in control and his wife Samantha was aware of this and instead of running away she I don't know we, we, we see in the movie how she herself has to deal with with uh, Curtis's emotional journey and I don't know I thought that it was very entertaining as well which I don't really say a lot of, about a lot of movies. Um, I, I just think that, I don't know, I would recommend it because it's making me think a lot about just, just the mood and the experience of it all and how it made me feel during certain moments. But yeah, I, I'd highly recommend it and it's available on Prime if you want to rent it. Yeah, um... I agree with Kevin. I would also recommend it. Um, like what Patrick said, it's like not um, trying to be anything more than it is. It's not supposed to be audacious or ambitious in like it's it's technical filmmaking. It's just this is the story, and we're we're gonna take it in, and we're gonna accept this is what's going on. Um, and also want to preface that um, although it does have to do with mental illness and trauma and the environment. Uh, I don't want to say that um, we have to like, I don't know, accept all three because we don't know what the film is really about until, you know, until you finish it. Um, because we can't just say that it's about mental illness because, you know, we're, we're still thinking like, well, are these visions even true or is this man just crazy? Yeah. I, I think that that's like the main, um, that's like the focal point of the film um, and we just have to deal with that and yeah so with that said let's get into spoilers
What, what should we spoil first? Should we just talk about the ending? <laughs> Whatever The last you scene? Go for it. Uh, Alright, well, so in the final scene, uh, we see, or the final, like, last two scenes, we see uh, Michael Shannon and Jessica, Ch- or Curtis and Samantha, right? Uh, they pretty much recognize their, his illness, finally, you know, or he, I think he just comes at, like, when they come out of the storm, and, you know, he goes through that whole struggle of having to open up the door, I feel like it's, like, him recognizing his illness, they go to the psychiatrist, and he's, like, you need to go, or you really need treatment, and then he's, like, okay, uh, you're gonna have to, like, go into a facility and he's like okay am I gonna have to leave my family and he doesn't outright say it but it's like insinuated that he's going to and uh, Samantha's okay with it and then the next scene they're at the beach when they're talking about that beach trip throughout the whole movie and um, we see the apocalypse happening the ocean receding Tornadoes over the ocean. Um, Orange rain. Yeah. And so I took it as it not being real and not him being right all along. And I just took it as like a vision or maybe a vision or a dream or whatever it may be that they were just... His family finally recognized what he... Like his illness and they were okay with it. And so whether... They whether the storm is the storm's gonna come through like through their family essentially like that apocalyptic storm and they're gonna weather it together is how I took it. That's an excellent point, Tyler. An excellent point. Yeah. Also more pessimistic. I'm yeah, like, I was gonna say, or you could look at it really grabbing hold of them as well, like they're yeah. together and all that. But are they also now a bit more hypersensitive to or? the paranoia about do they have the paranoia of the environmental and other the other themes mm-hmm. or is it paranoia about the mental illness but I think your thing with the, the storm is more the coming struggle of the of family ch- dealing with the mental illness yeah. or his schizophrenia because I think the daughter embraces him she's scared of it but she embraces him and then the mm-hmm. wife is the one who finally sees it and I think she's the one who's like staring at it in awe or just disbelief and then he's the one who's like Samantha we gotta go or Samantha we gotta do something yeah it's like they both come to terms with it but yeah I think you could look at it the other way too and be like I mean if tornadoes over the ocean that's gonna be like that's absolute apocalypse so it's like or the storm's gonna run run through this family and destroy their family but I want the positive outlook. <laughs> yeah, I think that's better. Yeah. My thing is, like, they're all paranoia now, paranoid now, they're all going to go back and go well, into the storm shelter together. Well, for me, like, I saw it as a real thing. I, I thought, I saw it as, like, they're not all, well, the whole paranoia thing wasn't real in that, like, what the visions that he had were actually true and that, like, the fact that his daughter was the first one to see, even though, um, she's um the one with the disabilities and she's the one that needs um service as well um both she and um curtis um i think it's also 
a show of like how the um, their community like in a way like fails them and like how they're trying to help them um, live among them and like the fact that they have to um, take shelter like I don't know I don't know if it's cynical of you but like yeah it's kind of saddening that uh, like I don't know I like prefacing that with like the scene where um, they go to that uh, I think it's like a luncheon or something or like a a social gathering and then he gets confronted by his former co-worker because um, he pretty much switched uh, position uh, positions he had him uh, work with uh, another one of his co-workers because he had a dream that um, that like uh, something happened with him the pickaxe and the yeah leg. yeah so they got into a fight, and I really just like how um, his wife stuck by him after all that, after the whole fight. Like, it was a very strong scene, and, like, how he's asking everyone, oh, you think I'm crazy? And, like, everyone just kind of looks down on them. And I thought that was really sad, and um, I think it goes to show, like, wow, he was actually right, and, like, he prepared for it, but, like, no one's prepared for it. And he needed to, like, take out loans to create the shelter so they can protect his family. Um, I don't know, because I don't think the daughter even had really any idea, like, what was going on with him and, like, his, uh, I guess, quote-unquote, mental illness. So, like, the fact that she was the first one to see it and then, um, and then Samantha, like, um, being able to uh, see the... the um, the oil dripping onto her hands, um, which I think that's like symbolic of like the U.S. going over to Iraq in the first place. Um, so I don't think. I guess I'm on the opposite, uh, or I'm not not entirely on the opposite end of you, Tyler. But I think that all that stuff is actually real because that's what's actually going on. The, the whole like environment is like polluted, and you know. Uh, the whole war aspect and like mental illness. Some people don't believe mental illness is real. Um, and I think that's all symbolic of like of their child having this disability, you know, having to learn, a, um, they have to learn ASL. So, or, yeah. I like the, uh, how many themes were in the, the dream? It's the environmental aspect, the oil, the connection, the war. The big one for me was when he crashes the car, the dream he crashes the car, and Hannah is taken from the truck. Mm -hmm. I believe it's mental patients. They have hospital gowns on. Mm -hmm. Once we take the yeah, daughter away. Yeah, they do. Which connects to his mother and his own paranoia about having a mental illness so much so. I think her his mother has schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. I think he's worried that because of genetics, he'll also be very similar and in a sense, lead the family and all that. So there's environmentalism, oil, the war. Was there any nuclear? Like spiritual or something with the birds? Oh yeah, right? the birds. Hmm. Is that, or was that like... The birds and thunder. Is that like spiritual or... Uh, yeah, nature in a way is spiritual. With like Zeus, thunder. Yeah, there's mm -hmm. like a chaos. Like there's yeah. controlled chaos, really. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the only one I didn't see was probably, like, nuclear war? There's none of that paranoia, unless that falls under the category of environmentalism. 
but there was fear of like pandem like people breaking up your car and taking your daughter out of the truck as like pandemonium level yeah. society collapse mm -hmm. from whatever I think that plays into it. I mean, uh, the whole shelter thing, it's a storm shelter, but it can also be seen as like a bomb shelter as well. Um, and I like that he calls it a storm shelter because um, that's also kind of religious in some way because, like you brought up, um, he hasn't been showing up to um, church as well. Um, so that can play into it. Yeah. yeah. So I think I was just, I was keeping an eye out for what the themes of the, his paranoia are. So I remember, was it, there was the 2012 movie and there was a, the brief meme of the world's going to end 2012. I want to say at the same time, there was still a lot of prepper shows being shown off. Yeah. A lot of other stuff. I actually forgot about that. You're right. Yeah. That was huge during that time. Which is such a weird culture. I think yeah. famously a police was shot, a police station was shot up by a guy who had bought a prepper car like a reinforced plated car for when the zombie apocalypse happens wow. and yeah he just went out there with that and shot up the police station from the car because it's armored dang I, I want to say it was like 2014 or 15 though after the movie but there was there was the movie's reflective of like a brief period of like pure anxiety and it may have been connected to the with the the Iraq war and there was the uh the like financial crash too oh, years yeah, before that too yes, so it's like yes. economic crash because they money's like a huge yeah they do topic in the film too mm -hmm. it's a big part where he's getting the house refi not refinanced but he's he gets a home improvement loan he's, yeah but he has to put up his that. own he has to put up his own house as collateral yeah and then even the bank it's a small town America with a sense of community the bank teller was still nice enough to go like the bank's the one who draws up these loans for you it's very predatory. Yeah, it's like, this you, is risky. Yeah, I'm letting you know, like, this isn't smart, don't do this. And this is right after the 08 collapse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, I only vaguely picked up on that. Yeah, I think another main theme is, like, communication. Because mm -hmm. in the first half of the film, just the whole time I kept thinking, I'm like, why is he not just, like, talking, like, with, like, his wife or anything, you know? Masculinity. Yeah, and that was masculinity. That was another thing that I was thinking of. I was like, this is weak. totally yeah. Like you got to be the strong macho man. His buddy even tries to talk to him. His brother and you know yeah, we're all guys. Sometimes it's hard to talk about that stuff, and which is a huge problem in society. But I also thought with just like communication and like your marriage too. Mm -hmm. Because he just, all he had to do was talk to her. Yeah, that was like, I think that was the, one of the more impressive things about the movie for me, was how well it handles the concepts of masculinity and like the negative parts of, yeah, you gotta be emotionally distant and all the other stuff. You can't look weak. Mm -hmm. Like even as a guy, when you yeah. get sick, you're like, no, I'm good. Like, it's just a cold. I'm yeah. fine. Yeah, when he peed the bed, he's like, I don't want, yeah, I don't want my wife to see me that I peed the bed, or it's like, mm -hmm. did you guys have a kid together? Isn't that a little more personal than like, oh, something's wrong with me? Yeah, that's how he is. I think that's also like a sign of like um, emasculation, because he doesn't want to see like, he's like covering himself yeah. on his bed, so he doesn't want her to see like he's wet the bed. Yeah. So um, that's also like. Yeah, those are all like uh, pretty huge symptoms of um, of his illness, and like yeah, like you said, toxic masculinity, 
um, how he has to deal with that. And, like, he's just going to say, oh, it's a cold. So, I, I mean, I can deal with it, you know. Um, but I like that how strong that she was, you know. She was very stern with him. Like, you need to get your shit together, and you need to, like, do this, and, you know, um, like, take, uh, take your daughter to, um, get breakfast, and, like, take care of her while I gotta go out and do some things, you know? Um, it shows how strong of a character she was, um, but it also shows, shows that she was really unaware of, like, what was actually going on. Like, it, yeah. I remember when they introduced the, uh, colloquial implant. That was one of those things where there's the next beat, or that's going to be a part of the film where, for whatever happens, he's going to lose his job. You can see it coming, but it's still well done enough where it's like, I'm enjoying the film. And I remember when the second it's obvious he's going to lose his job and the daughter's not going to get that surgery, even though we don't see it in the end. I was like, she better, she better fucking let him have it. <laughs> she better <laughs> slap the shit out of She better, <laughs> like, yeah, I remember. It was like the false thing where he's doing the, he's building the extension to the shelter, and she comes in, she's pissed, like, where are you getting the money? And for a second, he's like, I hope that money wasn't meant for the daughter's surgery. It's like, she should be way madder. And then later on in the film, it's like, oh, I lost my insurance. And she's like, walks up, slaps him, grabs the daughter, <laughs> leaves the house. It's like, yes, that's exactly, yeah. Just laying into him because he fucked up big time. Well, I mean, can you say that it's entirely his fault, though? Because oh, no, I think... He turned out to be right in the end, but, like, really what he was doing was, like, preparing them for what's going to happen for before and after. You know? I, yeah, I think in the end, if it's literally a storm or it's a figurative storm, mm -hmm. the big thing is his acceptance and his the family accepting, getting ready for whatever it is. Because I want to say, if he's going to the psychiatrist and he's getting medicated and treated, like the facility treatment where he leaves his family, he can easily go back to his employer and even like vaguely threaten, like, look, I borrowed equipment, that's why you fired me, but I was having a clear mental break. I got a psychiatrist confirming it, I got a, I went to a facility, I'm getting treatment, I can literally take you to court Yeah. if you don't, like, give me my position back. Not just rehire me like nothing happened but like you gotta big part of the film is you gotta us as a community you gotta be able to work with stuff like this where it's not it's not a visible illness it's not an explicit illness but we can't just write them off or we can't be the town at the hometown buffet we can't all be sitting there quiet and not acknowledging them while yeah. he's getting confronted and all that other stuff that's why I took the the end the storm is gonna be the either it's really doomsday stuff and they're going to be ready because they have the shelter or they have the family structure they're at least together or if it's figurative they're at least together and hopefully it'll work out yeah I would think though if it was literal I think they would be screwed because well, they have a shelter they are kind of screwed how, but yeah. I wonder how far they were from home pretty far Myrtle Beach yeah that's in the Gulf isn't it that's in like I forget where that is Texas? I don't know. I think it's in... Yeah, actually, I have no idea. I want to say Gulf of Mexico, but that's like 15 states or something. I don't know. Like, I feel like if the storm is figurative, then it would be more of a cynical ending than it was if, like, the storm was actually real. At least to me. 
because it's saying that like oh the family has to deal with the the storm figuratively meaning that like the storm of his illness and like how that's going to affect on their lives i see that as more of a cynical ending than it is like oh he was right the whole time he's had them prepared you know they're gonna head back and they're gonna be okay and he's already getting treatment and he's gonna get reinstated um but that's just how i see it i don't know maybe we could have more uh, interpretations. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it could, yeah. It's, that's why I like the ending because you can just mm-hmm. look at it either way. But I think that had, that there's like hope, you know, just like the way they like look at each other. Yeah, I think it is more hopeful because it felt so sure. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't feel as cynical, especially after the first storm, where when they come to the surface and it's just like some tree branches are broken and it's like a small windstorm. Yeah. Not small, but like everyone's just everyone's going about their business and it's like oh, okay, he's uh, yeah. It's like so there was sirens on and stuff, and then all of the, all of the, there's just like a few broken branches. Like, I think because yeah. they're in, they're in Ohio or Idaho. There's I think it's tornado, tornado alley or something like that. Like that's why they do have the storm yeah. shelter. But he comes out, oh yeah, it was like a small, I don't even think the tornado touched the ground, it did, and just some trees broke and some stuff got knocked around. Just moved to California. <laughs> you just have to worry about an earthquake. So we got our own problems. <laughs> I think that um, my take on it is more in line with, um, with what you were mentioning, Tyler. Um, I feel like with Curtis's journey, he noticed that some sort of storm was actually coming and I think that he was trying his best to prepare for this in almost the wrong way. Um, He was kind of fortifying his physical world rather than his inner world and I think that the storm shelter is representative of his core being which is where he retreats to in order to feel safe. And since he doesn't have enough of a structure built within him, he spirals out of control, especially with his dreams. Um, like if, if any of you guys have ever had a dream where it's been so visceral that it carries with you into the next day, it's a very, very unnerving feeling to have, especially if it's a if it's a negative dream or if there's a a lot of ambivalent feelings that were had in the dream. For instance, the first one he has is of his dog uh, breaking free from the, his leash and attacking his arm and almost, you know, tearing through his bone. And so what does he do? He goes to the, goes to the store and gets like a bunch of a, or he gets like the doghouse and fortifies it in his backyard and keeps the dog out there to prevent anything from happening and when asked about it he doesn't say anything because he's so scared about his structure that he's building up uh he's afraid of it crumbling in a way um i think that that's how delicate his inner world is and you know with these dreams happening over the i i, I want to say that this entire movie only took place within the course of one week. It's pretty good. That's yeah. like four, four dreams in a row. Yeah. And I, I think that one thing I'm really impressed with is how Curtis 
you know, when we first meet him, he's this very standoffish person and, you know, the typical masculine uh, or toxic masculine role where, you know, you don't talk about anything. You, It's like if something's going wrong, you have to deal with it yourself. You don't ask for help. And if you do, like, like was mentioned earlier, you're appeared weak. And I found it very impressive just how quickly... Curtis realized that he did need help and that he didn't automatically rule everything out. He, he even went to the library to read up on his illness. And then after that, he goes and speaks with the doctor and goes to counseling. Like, that's such a... I don't really see that a whole lot portrayed in media. But it was still, it was like, it was still very... It was like building the shelter. It's like mm-hmm. self-diagnosis of like, okay, how do I get... I'm broken, clearly. How do I fix me real quick? How yes. do I go in and get patched up like a car, even though that's not how people work? Mm-hmm. Where he's going in with a checklist of schizophrenia. As I yeah, he brought that mm-hmm. full-on envelope. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, I took a quiz at the end of the book, and I only got 5 out of 20, yeah. or something like that. Make me good again, because I got a family, and I, I, I don't want them to know, or I don't want... Yeah. But when he was doing that, though, you could clearly see it in his eyes, though, that that was... Him just trying to fortify it all. Yeah. You could see the fear behind him. And you could see that the intent was pure. But I, and I think that that was the most heartwarming thing about it. And like as the dreams progressed and got more violent, you could just see how like there was just a massive shift inside of Curtis where he was willing to open up and talk more about it, about things with people. Like, he even went and saw his mom after, like, a month of not seeing her inside of her home and was, like, trying to get to the bottom of, like... like, You could clearly tell that this was the first time that he was even asking about his mom's descent into schizophrenia or paranoid schizophrenia. And um, you could see that there was some sort of salvaging of a very hurtful relationship in the past where obviously Curtis, you know, each time he's asked about his mom, he's like, oh, I was only like what, ten. Like 10? He resents her a bit. Yeah. It comes across clear. Yeah, and he won't even like let on how he felt about it because he just chalks it up to being young and not remembering when clearly he remembers. Yeah. And so you see him patching up these relationships, even with his brother who comes by, like he embraces him. And tells him to like take care of himself and I don't know, there's just a, a massive shift. Especially towards Samantha. Like, is Samantha the one he expresses like the real mom thing? Or it's just like a little bit? Or it's like, oh she, she had schizophrenia this she was gone she found three weeks later. And mm-hmm. he's like, Eating trash in the dumpster, yeah. yeah. And he's like he has a bit of like that ain't gonna be me. That ain't gonna be me with Hannah. Where it's like your motivations are pure, but you're still. I think that's what the big scene in the bomb shelter is about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like he's not addressing it the right way. He's he's treating it very mechanically. And it takes Samantha to be like, no, you have to be the one to open up the door. I love that was like I love when a film does that so well, which is like a single line or a simple line. Where like, you got to open the door, and it's just like the long thing with the music. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. He just repeats it like three times. Was like, okay. I was just like, please tell me you didn't lock the keys outside. Well, I was hoping, I was going to get mad if um, he said, no, I can't. And then he just doesn't give her the key. And yeah, that's what I was like. down there. And I'm like, no, it's going to be a horror movie. They're going to die. That was a bit because uh, I think his dreams have like a weird horror vibe. They're, they're like a bit like prophecy. Like he has the dream of his friend running the fucking pickaxe to his leg, and then a couple scenes later, his friend's the one who misinterprets his shifting of him in the coworker whatever dynamic. He misinterprets that as him. Like, oh, he actually hates me. I thought we were friends, so I'm gonna go ahead and rat on him, and mm-hmm. he'll be fired for that. So it's like that prophecy came true. The friend did, in the end do harm to him in a roundabout way, not directly. And then he had the dream with the knife, with the, or the wife with the knife. And I'm wearing the bomb shelter and she's like, okay, it's time to open the door. I was getting a bit of the fear, like, oh, this could become a horror movie in the last 20 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can't open the door, it's actually bad. And I was like, no, it's not bad. And like, You're the last one in my dream. You went against me in the dream. <laughs> I'm glad they subverted that. And that's why that line has so much weight, where he's not sitting there like an asshole, like, no, no one's going out there. It's not 10 Cloverfield Lane. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was like, please don't turn into John Goodman right now. <laughs> it doesn't go that way. It goes like, he straight up is like emotionally wrecked. He's like, I don't think I can. And that something's wrong with me. I can't open the door. You got to do it. And then she's like, I can't do it. You have to do it, or else you'll never get better. And then he's sitting there. I don't know. It was just so great. That was that was probably my favorite part of the movie. Same. It's very powerful. I feel like that's what the entire movie was building up to, and like even afterwards, when uh, they're all going to. I mean, when Samantha and Curtis go to see the psychiatrist. I. I don't know, I've, I've never seen such acceptance before, at least in recent memory, portrayed in media like that, and, I don't know, I'm, I'm still, I'm having a hard time articulating even my thoughts on this movie, just because, like, I'm still processing it all, because there's, I think the reason why I'm having trouble is because I don't usually see movies that raise questions and provide answers. I feel like a lot of movies in recent history point out flaws that society has. And on one hand, it's nice to see these issues being presented, but when there is no sort of answer or path provided, it's, it's kind of just self-inflating in a way. Yeah, it's and not, it's very cynical. That's yeah. There's no. It's not a full Hollywood ending. Mm-hmm. There's not. Yeah. He doesn't. Like, he's not cured. Yeah. Like, it, like it, thing would have. Like it's going to be incredibly difficult. Yeah. But what do they do? They accept it. And when it comes to the ending, I feel like it's from. It's not from Curtis's perspective, or at, le- at least when the rain starts pouring down, then we shift over to Samantha's perspective. I I want to say that because during the psychiatrist meeting, um, the psychiatrist was obviously saying, okay, he needs to get away. Like, you need to go do something. And then Samantha says, oh, well, we, were, we usually go to Myrtle Beach every year. But in the scenes prior to that, um, 
when she finally gives Curtis the ultimatum, where she's like, look, if this is going to work, you need to seek help. Uh, we're not going to go to Myrtle Beach. We're going to use all that money, and we're going to have about two months. I'm going to get a job, and we're going to get through this. And then when the psychiatrist brings up the fact that they have to go somewhere, I don't think that they do go, because they need any sort of financial help that they that they can get. And I feel like the dream is from Samantha's perspective, in that she is now fully aware of what it is that Curtis is up against, and she herself has to prepare for what comes next. And I find that to be so, like that to me is love, just pure unconditional love. Because when, when he asks her, when he's just standing out there with the storm shelter, he's like, are you going to leave me? Like, that that's just it. Just, are you going to leave me? Like, you could see that there's such genuine fear inside of him because he can't control it. And he understands that if she does leave him, that's her choice. Like, he's not going to stop her because he understands the weight of it all. And she doesn't even, like, answer the question. <laughs> like, she just is like, look, we need to do this. Yeah. It's not even a question. It's, it's, it's simply a matter of fact of what they're going to do. And that now they just have to do it. Hmm. I, I, I didn't, yeah. That's one of the big time jumps, isn't there, too, at the end? It could all be not real dreams. It's with the storm ends and they're with a psychiatrist. And then she just hops them right on the beach. Where I think we spent almost day by day. Especially for the first hour, it's like four days in a row with four consecutive dreams about. Well, I don't know, I feel like if it is a shifting of perspective and that it is Samantha having that dream about of them going to the beach at the end, I think that, again, it kind of plays into... Um, it being a more cynical ending because him having these dreams is now like um, I guess in a way infected Samantha as well and then her having these dreams means that she's also going to in a way become ill too so I think that um, I guess I do kind of like disagree with that part because I felt like the filmmaking didn't really change after their um, seeing the psychiatrist and then them getting the, uh, the advice and then them going to the beach I, I felt that they, because he was advising them to take some time away and to like, you know, leave home because remember they were talking about how um, they need to leave the shelter for a bit so that he it can keep his mind off of it. Um, so I think that when they were at the beach, um, it was, I think, well at least for me, I don't know, I'm not sure, um, but I think that the filmmaking still had this idea that Curtis is, you know, we're still in his perspective because we see him looking at his daughter and she looks out onto the, to the ocean or the, or, um, to the storm, but we don't really see what it is yet until like, you know, he picks her up and, um, he looks at Samantha and then she looks over and we see what's like actually going on. But, you know, I'm glad there's no storm outside right now. Um, but... I, I don't know, I just felt like 
the ending is more hopeful than that. The fact that like they did come to terms with it and then they accepted it and then they're willing to like take all these steps to help Curtis get better and like to take away take him away from all that and then for the ending to like show that his prophecy was coming true I think that it bears more optimism I guess that like hey yeah like they are prepared for it and like these aren't just dreams that are inhabiting him to like make him come off as a, you know, a crazy person. Because um, I think that Samantha was the most, um, I don't know, she was like his rock. She like really um, carried that family, you know. She helped carry that burden for him. So I think that um, for her, if it is her having premonitions at the end, I think that would, um, I don't know. I think that would be more of a pessimistic perspective, I think. But how so? Because of... Because then it would mean that, like, um, this mental illness is spreading onto the family. But so it would, it would be her being sick, too, like him. We've seen how he got sick, and then, like, it was emasculating him. So now, if it, it was really her having these visions, it's only going to be worse for them. And then what if, you know, if it trickles down to the daughter... Then like, but well, if if it was just him having these dreams and carrying that burden for the family, and then that coming true, I think that would be more optimistic. I think, but that's just me. I I think that um, I don't see it as as being pessimistic in that she. If anything, I think it's empowering the fact that she can now see what it is that he is up against, and it's not necessarily a premonition in that she is seeing, like, the this weird prophecy. Um, I think that, if anything, she is just being able to visualize what it is that he sees, because he even tells her what goes on in the dreams about, like, with the storms and, like, the oil rain. And I feel like it's her genuinely empathizing with him and showing compassion towards him. And But I think it's different to empathize and then to say that she's having these dreams too because I mean we get told about each other's dreams or like we can empathize but like um, I don't know about you guys but I don't know I feel like if, if she's gonna start having those dreams it means that like she's in a way like infected but it's different to like if she's gonna visualize it I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's like She's not gonna have the same level or visions of dreams, but she finally sees the truth of the illness, like that. the weight of it. Yeah, yeah she finally mm -hmm. sees, and because again, like he was very mechanical and like I'll go. Here's, I have the illnesses, I have the symptoms right now. I meet two of them of twelve. Uh, what medication do I take? And then the scene where she says, "I oh, will cancel the vacation trip." It's very mechanical, and we'll do this, this, this. Everything will be gravy and back to normal, and we'll have. Yeah, the status quo will be maintained. Mm -hmm. We'll get a job, we'll get you help, and then you'll go back to working, and then we'll be good and together and happy. And I think in the end, she's seeing the the severity of it and the reality of it, where it's it's not full pessimistic, but it's I'd say it's more grounded in reality, where like he's gonna have this mental illness. But then the daughter sees it too. Yeah, but I think their thing is they finally they finally see it. As what it is, 
There's yeah. not, they can't treat it mechanically. They see the storm, they see the true mental illness in them. And it's, it's pessimistic in the fact that their family, it's going to be a hardship for them. But the optimism but is gonna, that they're together. Yeah. And they're, they're still family together despite the storm coming. The pes- There's still pessimism to it. Like, yeah, he's probably never going to be the same. They may never go back to how it was. Mm-hmm. They may not have the typical family experience or something like that. But, but they'll it, still be together. And she, that's when she's finally seen at the end. It's like, oh, it's not... We're not going to return to the way it mm-hmm. was. I think that, too, is, like, his... A lot of the multiple times in the story... Or not multiple times, but the background story of his mom and how his dad... He didn't leave her, but... No, it's, they, it split the family up. Split the family. And I think that's huge for the ending because he basically... You know, saw what would happen. It happened in his own life. He, his parents were split up basically, mm-hmm. and that final scene wasn't like the rest of his dreams, where like the people he loves are attacking him, or you know, like his best friend and his wife almost did. Instead, they kind of both come to terms with the illness and the storm ahead. Mm-hmm. But no matter what, they'll be they'll do it together. And no, I mean, I, I agree with all that. I agree with everything you guys are saying. I think what I'm disagreeing or having a hard time accepting is that she's having these dreams. I think that she's actually just seeing what's actually happening and that it is coming true. You know, because I don't think, I don't, at least for me, I don't see a perspective shift or a filmmaking shift where suddenly, like, it's her and then she's having yeah. these visions. I, don't I, think, I think that's the one thing I disagree with. Yeah, I don't think it could be... I think it could still be from, like, his perspective of mm-hmm. of the dreams. Because the, throughout the whole film, he was afraid to basically tell them, you know? So, yeah, I don't think it, the final scene was from her perspective. I do want to... I want to say the transition of that is her in the kitchen, I believe, at Myrtle Beach. That's the only shift I can see. But, yeah, it's not explicit. But it is... We come in on her first, and then I think it's just his hands building the sandcastle. Mm-hmm. And then it's them on the beach. And then it shifts back to her. Yeah. True. Yeah, you're right. But it's not an explicit shift, but it's like, it's all... It's all very subtle. Yeah, it's all open. It's all open in that. it's The movie's pretty straightforward and linear, where yeah. it feels like it condensed two weeks, three weeks maybe. Right. So it's And then we do a yeah. big old jump, and we're on a beach. The perspectives are shift. It could be real, it could be not, because the lighting in the dreams is that fluorescent, overcast, and then when he's in the real world on the farm and all that, it's nice it's and blue warm. Blue skies, yeah. yeah. I love the clouds in this movie, it's great. Yeah. I wonder mm-hmm. if they CG'd those in, or computered those in, or actually waited for it. Yeah. I, I, think, but I think at the end there was like a shift. There, there could be a shift interpreted. But I mean, like you said though, with the yeah. dreams, the lighting is different. Like you can tell... That is, uh, you can immediately, at least for me, you can immediately tell when he's having dreams again. That you hear the music coming in, the the camera movements is just like, it's I don't know, it's very um, subtle and moody, and you can tell, oh shit, this is a dream yeah. again. But that last five minutes didn't really tell me that that was it. Well, I think that um, one thing that there needs to be a clear definition. I think that we're all. <clears throat> talking about the same thing, but only mm-hmm. applying it to dreams. Because mm-hmm. clearly there was a scene on the way home um, 
from, I forget, oh, from uh, one of the ASL classes where Curtis was driving his sleeping wife and child back home and he can clearly hear that there was a storm. And so he pulls over on the side of the road as they're all sleeping and he's like, does anyone else see this? Mm-hmm. Because with schizophrenia, it's like you, you hallucinate things that aren't really there. And I feel like even inside of the dreams, like sure, these, these hallucinations occur within the dream as well, but they also occur in his waking life. Um, I'm not sure what they're, what they're necessarily called in like the medical term or anything, but it's, it's certainly a bout of, of, of hallucination. And with Curtis, I think that, I mean, cause it's with a lot of schizophrenia, uh, people who deal with this sort of illness, it's like they have to learn to realize that what it is that they think is there is not necessarily there. Like you have to really ground yourself and say, hey, I recognize that this is here, but this is not actually real. And so with this ending, like, I think I went about it the wrong way of chalking it up to being a dream because even when Curtis is awake, he has these hallucinations. And I think that he was noticing the, the mental storm occurring um, because that's very much what it is. I mean, that's how it usually is with a, with a lot of illnesses, like with epilepsy and with um, a few other ones where you can clearly feel an onset coming on, like an attack almost. And I feel like when he looks to her, Samantha's like, oh, he's about to have a mental break right now. And I feel like that's what it is, a mental break of some sort. I see that interpretation, but I think the big thing that's like the vagueness of it is that the daughter is the first one to see it. Mm -hmm. Or no, I guess that could be interpreted as vague as well. Yeah, I think that ending, it's, it's not necessarily meant to be grounded in reality in a sense. I, I, I feel like it's strictly up to interpretation. Because, yeah, the daughter sees the birds earlier in the film, which I don't think his friend acknowledges when they're working the job and he sees the birds flying together, which happens naturally. Mm-hmm. And then again, it could be the daughter just, she could just be looking at the ocean and he interprets it as the dream that, or the storm and that's what we see. Yeah, it's pretty open. I mean, she was also trying to sign to him, and he also couldn't really understand what she was trying to say. But you can tell, like, in her expression that, like, it looked, it was, um, bad, I guess. Well, she was signing Storm, right? That was the sign? Yeah, that's when he came over, and he's doing his... Doesn't he come over and look at her, and then she, she does the Storm thing? Or could be interpreted as like she she's asking him, "Are you seeing a storm? Are you having a moment?" Yeah. She's a kid. She's like I don't, the big thing was probably their storm shelter thing, where he asks her, "Do you hear the storm? Do you feel the storm outside? I still feel it." And she's like, "No." Yeah. But she's looking at the ocean, and he comes over and like grabs her, and she sees he's like intense, and she's, "Do you see a storm?" And then the mom comes out, and he's yeah. I think we can argue it all day. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I love arguing. It's a good let's, ending. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I, I I really like that they um they ended it there. Like they didn't show them driving back. Oh or, yeah. Yeah. Like it, because going to a beach or going on vacation that's supposed to be like more of like oh happy ending like we're going to a beach and looking out. You know. Looking out over at the um, the ocean, it's supposed to be like a very more optimistic point of view, but then you see the the tornadoes coming. Um, yeah, I don't know. That that ending was like I guess more so haunting, but I still kind of saw it as like cautiously optimistic. Like I think they're gonna be able to get through it, because um, they've already dealt with some aspect of it. I think. Yeah, if they went back to the shelter right at the end, that'd be very pest. I'd have an only pessimistic view yeah. on the films, like yeah. But yeah, they're at Myrtle Beach. They're away from the shelter. That's it's very open. And I agree with the cautious optimism. Yeah, it's it's very much an Augean task where it's right up near impossible, but they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Like it's not going to be an easy, an easy undertaking in the slightest bit. But Which they are going to prevail. Which I like reflects the whole. It can't be easy. It's a realistic approach to this stuff. Where it's, it can't be. You can't just go and get medicated and be hunky dory the yeah. next day. It's really. It's not like oh, I need maintenance. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I need to go into the tune-up shop. Another thing that I really enjoyed about it too. I mean, because I don't really see mental illness portrayed in this way, in a very realistic way, where it's not an easy fix. And I like how they even showed the counseling bit, because they're like, oh, you know, talking about it, like, helps you, helps it out, you know, quite a bit. It's like, yeah, counseling is like one tool that you can use, but it's not, it's not like a a guaranteed fix. Like, there needs to be, there's multiple facets to it. Like, the it relies on your own inner drive, relies on talking with others, it relies on, you know, uh, more scientific related things such as medication and trial and error because this, there's there's no guaranteed uh, cure. It's not like a vaccine mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's, it's all unseen. I think there was like a slight critique on like, oh yeah, the free healthcare yeah. stuff. Like, what's my his- copay? Yeah, what's my copay? And then he has his uh, counselor for like the first three times in the next week. He's just like, where is she? Then the new guy's like, oh, she got this new job at OSU or whatever. And mm-hmm. it's like, she didn't even tell him or anything. And when he walks in t- with the new guy, the new guy doesn't even like acknowledge him. He's still just like looking through his papers. And, and it's very much back to square one. I think he yeah. brings up the first thing he talks about is the first thing she talked about three it's, weeks ago or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's just like, fuck this and yeah. walks out. Yeah, I agree. So it's good, and because they talk about insurance a lot too. Insurance is mm-hmm. a big thing. Yeah. The daughter getting the oh, yeah. implants. That became the main drive of the film. Was like she better get her fucking implants. Yeah. It's like hmm, isn't that funny how? That's yeah. That's where the community thing which should come into again. Are we not a community? My daughter needs the surgery. Yeah. Nope. Gonna need fifty grand for a meal. Damn. I think it's funny too, like even even the fact that he got fired right as they were about to get the implants. It's like that's such a failing on society's part. So yeah, it's a clear. Well, and he also told him like, well, this is your fault, you know. Yeah, that was a pretty powerful line. Yeah. Like, yeah, you brought this on yourself. I'm like, 
Damn, that sucks because he didn't really. I mean, yeah, yeah he yeah. did, but like, for the most part, like, it's also saying like, oh, you brought all these visions to yourself. You brought all these like things to yourself, and really, like, he, he can't help that he started seeing all these things, you know. And then he's only gonna do what he needed to do to like protect himself and his family. I think any any person would do that. Um, yeah. It may be California optimism, but like I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I think out here at least there's protections for that stuff. He can, yeah, he has a. If he gets treatment and aid, for me, <laughs> my happy ending, open ending, he can easily go back and say, like, look, I got a medical reason, I got the things. I think in California you're protected from stuff like that, or it's clearly like they're having a mental break or issues during the time of their firing. You have to rehire them because now they've gotten help and they're going to be working with help and you got to work with them because it's not it's not a broken arm or a broken leg where they're going to be better in a month and you can rehire them then and you can't just cut them loose because yeah I don't know can you maybe you can can you cut you can't cut someone loose for like breaking a leg on the job site no you <laughs> get workman's comp for that yeah. Yeah. yeah so I can't yeah I can't work I broke my leg okay you're gone I think it's yeah but again, he's in Ohio, I know. I don't know what it's like out there. Yeah. I think a lot of it stems to uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's like, as a society, we should all have, like, the first instinct is to take care of ourselves, our health. And it's like, when this doesn't work, it dismantles every other aspect of society to which it creates trappings and societal failings. It's like, if... I can, I can step up on a soapbox right now and say, like, how universal healthcare would have... Had it been for that, this movie would not even exist. Well, you're a socialist. What <laughs> 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 about capitalism? <laughs> no, but it's like, if you think about that, though, it's like, art is a mirror to society. Why are people making movies about mental illness and, like, society's failings towards it? Because society has failed them yeah. in that aspect. And that's so heartbreaking because it's like each person should be guaranteed if 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 they're being dealt with things that are beyond their control where it directly relates to the health they should be taken care of because it's like once that health aspect is taken care of then we can move on to the other uh tier of the of the hierarchy of needs which is you know actually doing things that we enjoy that we find fulfillment in and that gives our life mean that give our lives meaning and <laughs> It's like, when one thing doesn't work at the bottom, it's like a bad structure to build a house upon. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that movie is trying to make that argument that, like, um, that we have a right to have medical benefits. You know, because some people don't believe that. Some people believe that you need to earn it. Yeah. You have to work for it. See, um, CEO of Nestle. Water's not a human right. Yeah. <laughs> but we have a human right to own a gun. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's so God-given, Richie. <laughs> it's also backwards, though. And that's the most infuriating part. It's like people have such a... I don't know, such short-term attention spans when it comes to things. It's like they can't envision the big picture. It's like, sure, 
uh, oh, here's this person who needs some, you know, cochlear implants, and it's going to cost, like, all this money. Oh, but they don't have a job that covers the benefits. Oh, so, oh we don't want to give them universal health care because then we're going to have to pay for it through our tax dollars. And it's like, if you, if you just had enough perspective to realize and zoom out of the big picture without doing this, you are creating a much larger problem in the future. Like, someone who has a cold that doesn't go to the doctor because they aren't feeling well and then it fucking develops into pneumonia which ends up costing like so much more money to take care of in the long run it's like if people felt safe and secure in their society none of this i mean we would have so much more or so much less problems in regards to this and it's like it's not even about the fact that it costs money money should not even matter when it comes to to human life. To a life, yeah. Yeah, what is money to a human life? It's, it's, it's incomprehensible to even make that comparison. But that's such a social construct, and it's so debasing to what it, to what it means to be human. It's so trivial, so... Sorry, I'm getting heated yeah. over this. But no, preach. Preach. <laughs> well, welcome to America, that's what it is, right? In retrospect, yeah. you, you did... Yeah, there's that line, your husband has great insurance. I remember like, whew, good thing he has good insurance. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that fucking terrible, That's crazy that, you live, that we live in places like that. I was already pre-programmed like, to go, whoa, thank God he's not at a bad job. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's like if you're born into poverty and you can't, you know, you, you're just looked at like as a lower class individual like that, it's ten times harder to work your way up into a great nine-to-five job with full benefits so you can pay for your deaf daughter who was born deaf like you didn't right. make her deaf you didn't choose to do that and so now you have to I don't know go through this huge struggle just to you know give her a life like anybody like the rest of us have yeah I mean we, we, we live in a capitalist society so it's just like we, we all carry around like a net worth you know you can look up a celebrity and see, oh, how much are they worth? Oh, shit, they're worth $3 million. It's just like everyone has like a dollar sign attached to them as like, what is your value and what do you bring to society, you know? And like you said, like, his daughter didn't ask to be born with a disability, you know? Like, how, how can we assign her a net worth? Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel <clears> like <throat> people have this weird notion in mind of when it comes to equality. And it's like equality means nothing. It's about equity. It's about giving people or supporting people who, who don't have the same resources that other people have. It's not even to be put on the same level playing field. It's, it's just about supporting one another. That's what it means to be human, is to support one another. It's like, who are we on our own? And it just destroys every single notion of morality. Yeah, I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here thinking I should have took that job with those that guy who helps those rich people to dodge their taxes. I should have took that job doing the media for him. <laughs> saying no. <laughs> so I gotta, I gotta make sure I'm good. You're gonna build up equity, man. You would have, you would have uh, built up your net worth for fifteen an hour. No, no. no. <laughs> he was gonna exploit me, but now I'm sitting here like, oh fuck, I'm gonna be twenty six soon. Isn't that what it is though? Like these billionaires are exploiting all the people at the bottom, you know, just so they can make them millions of dollars every day. Yeah, to, to maintain the status quo. Mm -hmm. 
It's like, that's why I think money is even a thing. It's, it's a way to control people. It's a way to enact... It's such a simple tool as well. It's like, it's an invisible border that boxes people in and prevents them from doing the things that they want to do as long as they don't harm others. And it's just used to create more rules, more limitations. And it's so stupid. It's, it's, it's like we, there's so many other things that we could be dealing with as a society, such as, I mean, another thing that I liked about this movie was how it's even being applied to this time right now, where, you know, there's a pandemic going on, there's protests surrounding, uh, surrounding racism and police brutality and all these things. It's like, there's so many bigger problems that we need to take care of if we even want to continue living in this way. It's like the planet is dying. <laughs> Where are we going to go if the planet is no longer here? There's no coming back from that. And I don't know. It's just, it's really devastating to think about that. It's just all greed. It's literally just greed. And that's not human. Don't worry, we'll have we'll have a privatized space. <laughs> <laughs> you guys see that recently with the space force? Mm -mm. They're uh, it's not good. Well, There's gonna see. be borders in space. I'm gonna like What do we do? By space lanes? <laughs> see, it's like and there's gonna be moon moon borders and bases, and they're gonna draw. They're gonna they're gonna cut up stuff that was never meant to be cut up for. Exactly, yeah. and it's like, how do we even begin to tackle these issues? Because we can't even get our feet off the ground. And here you have these billionaires going up in space purely as a money making opportunity. Yeah. To enact their once again their rules and limitations. It's like they just want to control everyone and just like, dude, there's a whole universe out there just waiting to be explored. Well, what it is, like, what do they know that we don't, you know? Like, because uh, the information we can get from the internet's all free, right? But, like, since they're on a different playing field than us, like, you know, what do they know that we don't? And maybe they know something about space that we don't have access to. I, I would say the real conspiracy is in space, it's the tech. The tech sector. Yeah. That stuff scares me more than aliens. Oh, yeah. Like AI, all that. Just Google. Just just your Facebook. So there's just, yeah. There's, a, there's another you out there on Facebook that Facebook's created based on what you do on Facebook. And they sell that you for profit and marketing information. Mm -hmm. But Facebook should be paying us, man. Right. They're making money selling my profile. I don't go on it, that, but uh, they're selling my profile well, for money. I forget what it's called, that documentary. It was about like everything that went down with Facebook and the uh, like around the Trump election and how they were selling people's data and yeah. Oh, the that that think tank. Is that what it's called? There the was another. There's a there's a there's a think tank that was using Facebook's data to analyze the best approach to manipulate certain voting bases. Yeah. Like, oh, they like memes, they like memes of this variety. Mm -hmm. Under you can identify if you're like a, a swing swing voter or something like that. And mm -hmm. Decide the media, they can pay for the media they put on your feed to get you, 
to think another way. No, it's been a big shift since like Gore Vidal and Buckley threatening to punch each other in the mm -hmm. Kennedy debates. It's been now we're in. Yeah, it's yeah. like way ahead. It's, way it's, ahead of the curve. That was that was a groundbreaking moment, and it was like entertainment news back then in the '60s, where there two guys who just hate each other, and one of them just says, "You, you call me, call me again. I'll come over there and punch you." And now we're in contemporary times where like, oh, that's, I don't, all that stuff. It's way worse. The discourse has devolved so much, and it's instant gratification and tech culture and wow. all this stuff. That this movie feels time. This 2011 movie feels kind of antiquated. He has a flip phone. It was caught up in paranoia about the world ending, where I think even now we have a more pessimistic view about everything. Yeah. I think that me and Abby talk about that all the time. Like, I'm like, I don't even know if I'd want to have a kid just because, like, all, like, the crazy stuff that happens in the world or that's going on. And I think this movie does a great job of giving you that feeling or that sense is like whether it's an economic crash environmental spiritual like a rapture or mm -hmm. nuclear or anything there's always something to worry about in the world we live in and that's it's not okay <laughs> it's no like, but yeah i think in this movie the important there's the importance in family over like first reform where it's purely on mm -hmm. a lot harsher view well it's like, well, because all those things are happening, what takes precedent right now? Like, do, do those issues come first, or does our family come first, or our beliefs? What comes first? What, what, what do we need to do to, like, that's going to help us stay sane, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, for some people, their lives is meant to be held in activism. For others, it's just like, well, I need, I need to focus on my career. I need to, you know be uh, an artist or something that's what's gonna help me keep sane but for others i don't know like what takes precedent right now like you said like oh it makes you scared to like want to have a kid or it's like dang what's gonna keep you from like living your life yeah we all have a little lord of the flies is it george can't they see Oh, you see what's happening? <laughs> I think we all have our own internal thing that we're asking. That why can't the others see it? I have faith, though. I have faith in the uh, future of society. I have my good days and bad days. <laughs> yeah. And you're you're alive now. Yeah. We're all living now. But yeah, I think that's again with the movie. Even if it is. Again, back to the figurative or literal ending. It's still, I, it's not fully pessimistic like a Hollywood. They ride right off to the sunset, but it's still, like compared to the first Reformed, I think this ending's a lot more positive or uh, yeah, mm -hmm. optimistic. Because yeah, it's not gonna be easy, but there. There's a sense of hope. Yeah. Yeah. There's this one episode that I watched of uh, Star Trek The Next Generation recently, and it's an episode called The Drumhead, which is about... So on the, on the ship, they have a warp drive, and it exploded. And they're, they bring on, like, they bring this retired admiral uh, back to create an investigation, 
and it creates a sort of witch hunt, um, pretty much stripping away those accused of their freedoms and stuff. And at the very end of it, uh, Captain Picard is talking to his security officer, Mr. Worf, and he says, We think we've come so far. Torture of heretics, burning of witches, it's all ancient history. And then, before you can blink an eye, suddenly it threatens to start all over again. To which Mr. Worf says, I believed her, I helped her, I did what, I, I did not see what she was. And then, he's, and then Picard says, Mr. Worf, villains who twirl their mustaches are easy to spot. Those who clothe themselves in good deeds are, in good deeds are well camouflaged. Which Mr. Worf says, I think after yesterday, people will not be so ready to trust her. And then Picard ends with, maybe, but she or someone like her will always be with us waiting for the right climate in which to flourish, spreading fear in the name of righteousness. Vigilance, Mr. Worf. That is the price we have to continually pay. And the reason why I bring this up is because, like you said, Tyler, you, you say that even in spite of everything that's going on, you still have faith, and that's your price to pay. Very much like vigilance is in this case that I was just talking about. It's like, mm -hmm. that's our job as well-rounded people it's to continuously have faith and hope because when we lose that we lose what it means to be human in a way like it, it strips a core of our being away from us and it's like there there's like certain set of qualities that we must always be aware of that we must always be adding fuel to otherwise it dries up like the well becomes dry or the the furnace ends up, you know, snuffing its flame out. It's like, it's, it's an ongoing task. As long as you are alive, you must continuously keep going. Because there's no reason not to. I think that's why Curtis is such a empathetic character. Especially with the broken home origin and raised by a father and older brother. That when he has these two women he cares deeply about, and his family structure, again, his big fear, and the big fear is for us as the audience is him losing that. And yeah, mm -hmm. I guess may, that may be why it resonates so well. Absolutely. I like that you brought up, brought up the um, Star Trek The Next Generation reference, because um, it, it did remind me of... Uh, whenever I tell people to watch uh, The OA, I don't know if you guys know... Um, there's like a quote in that show where the main character, the OA, she says that um, her big mistake when going on her journey to find her father was that um, she thought that if she casted a, a beautiful net that she would only catch beautiful things. And it reminded me that like, dang, you know, like, yeah, sometimes when you do that, like, you have to accept not only good, but like the bad things in life too. And I, the only reason why I compare that show to like something like Twin Peaks is because Twin Peaks, what I've learned about watching it over again is like it's about balancing the, the good and the evil. Um, I think that's why that show is called Twin Peaks too. It's like you're having your good and your evil, your, your doppelganger. Um, how those things balance out in life. Um, yeah. That's a very good point you make. Especially when, in, I think the duality of it all, like, the, there's such a duality in nature. Mm -hmm. Like, there's, like, there's chaos and order. 
like, even though all these things are just words that we've created to categorize things, it's like, they're still made from observation, though. And there is a balance to things. It's like with life and death and with everything, really. It's like that's why you see like so many symbols throughout history and, and civilization, like yin and yang and... Like, karma. Yeah, and karma and everything. And there's just... It's all relating to the same thing. Mm -hmm. But I feel like sometimes people get too... I don't know, they get... It's like they get uh, overwhelmed by the by just how categorized it can become. Like yeah. they lose sense of the definition. The modern yin, yin and yang doesn't have the little black and white dot in the respective sections. Mm -hmm. I would say it's all yin, it's all yang. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's very split vertically, mm -hmm. not the mix of the two. Yeah. <clears throat> well, well, with that being said, uh, do we have any closing thoughts before we end our episode of Take Shelter? Yeah, this discussion. I really like the movie. I, really, I like yeah, it more yeah, now. I like the movie too, it. yeah. 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 It's great. It's I funny. like that we all have different perspectives. Uh, I think it's all varied, but like we've, I think that I like to believe that we all came to agree that like this film... Um, it was a good film. Yeah. And good. that all the themes came together and that we all saw the you know, similar things and um like what you know, we all said like the film has to do with like, you know, health issues and communication and just how relevant all these things are right now. Um yeah, it's all prevalent to our time. So yeah, with that being said, um Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of uh, our review of Take Shelter. And I believe next week, uh, Kevin? No, it's Pat. Or Patrick? Yeah. Patrick, you are going to pick the next film. Uh, have you decided which film we're going to be watching? Uh, have you guys seen Hoop Dreams? I'm I so have... down to watch it. It's a documentary? Yeah. I, I have not seen Hoop Dreams. No. no. Let's, let's, Pat, Hoop yes. Dreams? Yes, let's watch Hoop okay. Dreams. I feel like we, that's... I was watching a bit of it last night just because, yeah, it's the, yeah. Uh, if you have, I think you'll love it. I'm sure you'll love it. It'll be the, that'll be the first documentary, too, that we do, right? Yeah. Oh, it, it surpasses the genre or whatever the documentary, whatever you think a documentary is. Yeah, it's, it's the best documentary. You should have won the Oscar. Okay. It was okay. so good. It famously restructured how the Oscars award the nomination for doc documentary because it was publicly revealed that they colluded against it. Oh, really? To make oh, it not. Wow. wow. No, yeah, it was famous. Well, when was this? When did this come out? In the 90s? Uh, 95 or 4, I believe. Uh, started, oh, they started yeah. filming in 89 and followed for five fantastic. years. I've heard of it. I think it came around that time in the mid-90s. Yeah. So. You guys are going to love it. Okay. Oh, yeah. Is it? Is it on anything? I, I, I have a copy. Oh, I'll okay. give you guys a copy right now. All right. Cool. So yeah, uh, stay tuned for next week's episode. We're going to be reviewing um, Hoop Dreams, the documentary, and how that's going to shape the film industry. So stay tuned for next week's episode. And with that said, uh, I'm Richie, and thanks for listening in. Take care. Peace. Later. Hoop Dreams.
I'm sorry. Maybe there's no storm outside. I'm sorry. Curtis, I wouldn't lie to you. I love you very much. Please. Open the door. I'm sorry.